I know the word today, it's going to change us. It's going to help us become more doers of the word than we already are so that we can see the plan and the vision be fulfilled through this church and through our pastor and to help our pastor fulfill what he has been given to fulfill. And in doing so, your vision will be fulfilled as well. It is, a, it is a unity thing. It's a body thing. You haven't been called here to not help. You haven't been called here to, to help, but it not fulfill your calling. That wouldn't make any sense, and God's a God and makes sense. Has it been making sense for you, Pastor PJ? You've been fulfilling the call of God on your life, being here, fulfilling, helping fulfill Pastor Mark's. It's just what's so. Pastor Mickey? He said, mm-hmm, absolutely. Smooth. <laughs> Sitting on the dock of the bay. <laughs> and, I, and I'm going to say the same thing. It's unreal that we get to sit where we sit. Amen? And so um, we are the body of Christ, are we not? And we're, he- we're here to help this calling. We need pastor as he leads us in the things of God and the direction that he has been instructed to lead us in. There's several things that are gonna be required of all of us to fulfill the call of God on our lives. I'm not gonna go over every single item, every single gift of God from the Holy Spirit. I'm not gonna do that. That's not the service for this. But I am gonna go over one of them and we're going to get into that that will help every single one of us fulfill walking in our calling. Amen? You goody? All right, brother. You goody? Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you for our pastor. Father, just bless them right where they're at. You bless them. Continue to refresh them. Double the anointing on them and their lives and their calling. Surround them with every right person and every right thing to fulfill the call of God on their lives. Father God, continue to bring people into this church to help that, that, that calling be fulfilled. Continue to grow each and every single one of us. Open up our ears to hear and our eyes to see. Holy Spirit, take whatever words come out of my mouth and have them make sense by the time they reach the hearer's ears. In Jesus' name we said, amen. amen. Well, uh, I got I to gotta make sure we are all clear on this. Um, pastor, pastor last week asked me to um, bring the word today. Obviously, that's why I'm here. Um, but he specifically asked if I had a word. And so the word that I know is being, being preached today is a word that is meant to be spoken at such a time as this to every single person in here, to, to this body to help fulfill the calling that this body has to fulfill. This isn't, a, this isn't a word that I'm just going, hey, this is kind of an easy sermon. Hey, this is kind of an easy thing. No, 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 no. I, I, I don't take this area lightly, but being asked of, of the Lord and Pastor Mark what I was asked to do, um, I want all of us to hear it. I want all of us to, to I mean, take it in and say, okay, Things are changing. And, and, and I'm not saying from bad to good. I'm saying from good to better and better to best. Amen? And so it, with that being said, how many uh, people 
in here have, wrong, have been wronged? Raise your hand. Yeah, pretty much every one of us. If, if somebody didn't raise the hand, I'm gonna come out there and, and pray for you. Um, but all of us have been wronged, right? And so, uh, now look, new husbands, if you turn to your wife and act like you gonna pray for them, you might be sleeping on the couch. Just saying, fair warning to somebody that I love. Um, <laughs> and so uh, we, we, need to, we need to understand that we are gonna be wronged in our lives. It's gonna, it's gonna happen to every single one of us and, and that's just what's so. We live in a fallen world. But how are we supposed to love like Christ loved the church if that happens to us? How do we do that? You know, a lot of people sometimes um, learn verbally. I'm not one of those verbal learners. I'm one of the thing, one of the learners when, when people say something, then I think of a picture. I think of an experience I draw from or I have to see it um, to understand sometimes. Um, otherwise, I just take the word and I'm like, boom, do, I'll just do that. <laughs> For the birds of the air don't even worry about tomorrow. Yeah. And so... Uh, <laughs> So we're going to get into this, and it's important that we, we get this. It's important that we listen to this with our open ears that God gave us to have, right? He gave us two ears to listen more, and he only gave us one mouth so we wouldn't talk so much, right? And so we, it's imperative. The, the Lord gave me this word, imperative, for us to move in the direction that he has called our lives and called Life Church to head in. It's imperative we get this. Why? So the gospel can be preached and heard and received. You know, a lot of the things that we, that we say, in fact, it kind of makes me ponder about right now that maybe uh, as we preach today, all of us are only gonna get probably maybe 30% of what I said. And then uh, the other part of it is you guys are gonna get my heart of it. You're gonna be like, man, he was passionate. Oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe this word he said about Elijah. He, he called this young kid up and he talked like Elijah, talked like this. You wouldn't believe what I mean, happened and it confirmed what he already knew. Like, whoa, no way. Yeah. And he spoke to this other, other young lady and, and, and oh my gosh, he, like, whoa, that was awesome. God's awesome. But we, we need to get this. So however you need to get this, get it. Take notes listen to it again and listen to it again. Read your notes over and over again. We need to do this so that the gospel can be preached, heard, and received. How do we love where God is sending us? Has anybody ever thought about that? You know, he sent me to Africa and I'm like, oh, how do I love people that I don't know? Like love's an emotional tie between relationships. So how do I love Africa if I don't know anyone there? I don't have anything to relate to, to anybody in Africa. So how do I love them? How do I, how do I love somebody that he sends us to that maybe they don't like us? Maybe they flew planes into our building. Maybe they killed some of our servicemen and women, our own sons and daughters and family members. I can't go there. No way. I'm not going there. I, no way. I can't love them. How do, we, how do we do this? How do we, how do we get over this hurdle to love the way we are to love? 
because we're offended, because we're hurt, because we're carrying bondages that we've accepted and said, yep, that's mine. That's mine, Pastor Mickey. I'll, I'll carry that bondage. It's like that bag. I'll just carry it around with me and I ain't gonna put a woman's handbag on my shoulder for people to take a picture of this time. I learned, I learned my lesson. And so, uh, but it crossed my mind. And so we, we need to figure that out. And I'm aspiring to help us with that today. So if we can go to 2 Kings, how are we finding so much love in the Old Testament? Huh, Miss Christie? Miss Christie teaches Old Testament survey in Life Bible College. And so we're gonna go to, we're gonna go to 2 Kings chapter five and we're gonna start in verse one. And in verse one, it's talking about um, an awesome dude named Naaman. And what I mean by he's awesome is that he was um, a commander of the Syrian army and he was highly favored. He was a good military guy, right? Like he was, he was a good worker. And so in verse one, it says this, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor. So his, his master put him in high favor. He had high favor towards him because by him, Naaman, the Lord had give, been given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. So this, this high commanding military guy, high in favor, he fought, he won, which means he probably did some pretty amazing things, you know, or horrible things, depending on, you know. Um, but however, he was looked at as a man of valor. A man of valor. And with favor from his king, his lord. But he had this small problem of leprosy, like his skin was sloughing off and falling off of his skin, and he probably stunk really bad. Like, anybody ever been around leprosy? I haven't either, thank God. But I've seen some pretty grotesque things in Africa one time with this guy's uh, foot. And he lifted up his bandage. He's like, pray for, and we're seeing healing after healing after healing. This was my first trip there. And, um, you know, the devil uses things to get us in our flesh, not in our spirit. He doesn't want us to stay in our spirit. He wants to stay in the flesh, right? So this dude, and I'm on fire. I'm like, people are getting there. Deaf ears are being opened. Blind eyes are open. I mean, it's awesome. All these healings. And, and this dude's like, and he pulls up his bandage. I ain't never seen anything like it. I've seen some grotesque things at car accidents and stuff. But like this green, green, like Incredible Hulk green, ooze was oozing from his, his skin. <laughs> Pastor PJ, I'd like to say that I was like John G. Lake, but he lifted that thing up and I went, I was getting ready to go down and put my hand on him and he lifted it up at the same time and I went, whoa. <laughs> I do, I ain't never seen anything green coming out of somebody's body before. And so, you know, I prayed for him. I put my hand on his shoulder and, uh, <laughs> and I've repented ever since. I'm not kidding, man. I've repented ever since to to never do that again, man. Dive in, hands deep, bleh, and get, get that dude prayed for and healed, amen? And so, been doing that ever since. And so, uh, but I hear leprosy is kind of a real thing, kind of a life-threatening thing. And so, uh, he had leprosy. Well, he was in charge of the Syrian, part of the Syrian army that would go and, and do raids on villages and cities. And while he was going to do that, he would, he would well... 
kill people, burn houses. But it must have been their practice, or this was their first time, but it must have been their practice where all of a sudden, Naaman decided to take hostage a little girl from Israel. And this little girl, as I studied her out about a year and a half ago, I found out that little and, and age stuff like this, the, 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 the history of it says that she probably was not even 12. Is anybody in here like 10 years old? How old are you, young man? Come here. He and I have met before. He knows me. He prayed for his mom and dad and they got healed, huh? Remember that? Yeah. So he, he's eight. What's your name? Cameron. Cameron, that's right. Cameron's eight. So I want you to understand what Cameron looks like. So Naaman came and he conquered this village and he, and he did all these horrible things. This little girl probably saw her family murdered. And probably worse things in the, in the process is that as well. And then Cameron was lifted up and put on the back of a horse and taken captive and taken back to Naaman's home. Out of his country, out of his culture, never to see his mom and dad again. Maybe mom and dad weren't even alive. Never to see his siblings again. And taken captive and into slavery. Thanks, buddy. I needed them to see what, what like a 10-year-old looked like. And so, what if it was your kid that was taken captive? I want, I want you to think about that and continue to remember that thought process. What if it was my kid? Or what if it was me when I was 10? How would I respond? So this little Israel girl was, well, Naaman's wife's servant. And as a 10-year-old, she was serving Naaman's wife. There came a time in verse three, and in verse three, we're gonna read how this little 10-year-old girl responded. She must have grown up in a Christian home. And I don't mean a Christian home that said they were Christians. I mean a Christian home that were Christians. I mean a Christian home that their parents taught them love and the word of God. Not just, yeah, we believe. Not like, not, not like that. They were doers of the word. And in verse three, it says this. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. No way. No way. A 10-year-old little girl that probably saw her parents legitimately probably murdered, maybe even mom raped, maybe even other siblings too. And she loved her servant, the one she served. She loved her master enough to say, hey, he is struggling, he's dying, but if he would make it to my prophet, Elijah, for real. If he would go to the prophet, 
he would be healed. What would you do? What would you have done? I would have tried to plan an escape. I would have probably forged some type of weapon to, to as I escaped or knew since I knew where they slept too, I would probably have some retribution. At 10, I mean, I'm 10. I'm not, I'm not old and mature like I am now. I'm 10. I miss my mom and dad. I need to go home. And I'm, I might do some bad things to the person who did the bad things to my family. I gotta get out of here. No, 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 that's not what the, the Israel girl did. No, no, no. She said, can you tell my Lord if he would go see my prophet, the prophet that's in Samaria, he would be healed of his leprosy. Have you ever wondered what love looks like? That's love in action. Oh, but I'm divorced. You don't know the things my spouse has said to me. No, 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 no. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. No, 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 but you don't know. You've never gone through it. You're right, I won't, and I won't, and I won't. But you don't know what I've been through. A 10-year-old little Israel girl, her family murdered, enslaved, taken to a different country, into a different house, in the person's home that did all of it. But yet she loved God. See, that's the kicker. It wasn't necessarily maybe she didn't love him. She loved God so much and God's love was so real into her that that love had to get to him. Just like it got to me. Just like it's gotten to most of us. Just to be real frank, just like God's love got to you this morning by me speaking to you. That was, God did, chose that. He chose to give you a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom to show you how much he loves you. He's been chasing you down. He's been chasing you down with his arms open wide. He doesn't want to hit you on the head. He's just saying, baby, turn around. I want to hug you. That's our God. That's our God. And so she chose to tell her mistress, hey, if he would go and, and, and see my prophet, he'd get healed. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's what love looks like. I think this little Israel girl really was only mentioned in probably about three verses. Three verses. You could almost say she was the first unwilling missionary. Like, even though she was kidnapped and into another country, she was still doing the Lord's work. Oh, I can't wait to meet her parents. I ain't never thought of that. I can't wait to meet her parents up in heaven. How'd you do it? How'd you teach your kid that at 10? That's amazing. I think as us parents, we should be making sure we teach our kids to love like that that no matter what happens. See, this little Israel girl decided this. She decided, because she was probably taught, that no matter, that no matter what was happening to her, under any circumstances of what they looked like, she was going to be who God called her to be. See, when you know who God's called you to be, no matter circumstances, you will be, and you can choose that. 
That is why it's so important that, again, the word that he gave Elijah this morning, the Holy Spirit gave the word to Elijah, it's so important for Elijah to know that so that no matter the circumstances that you walk through from 15 to whatever age, no matter the circumstances, be who he's called you to be. Amen? And so she decided to do that. She decided to love God even though she was kidnapped and enslaved. Sometimes we don't have what we need. Sometimes we're in our own woe and we blame God. Oh, our money's not there. Oh, I don't know about this. Oh, my boss hates me. And we immediately jump ship. I, I hope that we can remember this little Israel girl. I hope that we can remember the heart of the little Israel girl. As she was removed and taken into another country, she was still doing the Lord's work and being who God called her to be in horrible circumstances. And let's go to John chapter one. And so as, as you guys go there, the message of the gospel is this. This is, this is what we need to understand. The message of the gospel almost always requires us going ahead and telling people of the Lord and our Savior. We are to go forward and tell people of the gospel, the good news. The gospel, guys, for maybe not everyone that knows, the gospel just simply means the good news. It's, it's just that. But are we ready to go when we are instructed by a mouthpiece of God? See, God uses people. See, God didn't come down here with a big booming voice like he blessed Elijah with and, and spoke to you or spoke to you. He used a bald-headed white dude with kind of a high-pitched voice with a microphone. Not sounding like E. Your voice is awesome. Should, I know we shouldn't envy others, but man, that voice is bomb. And, uh, and so he uses men to, to speak with men. And he'll do it in your private time too, just you and him, and you know his voice, you know his leading. And that is an amazing place to get. But we've got to take serious the things of God. We've got to treat the word as holy when the word is delivered. I know some of us do and some of us don't because maybe some of us just don't know, and that's okay. We're learning today. I want to encourage all of us to become more aware of the word when the Lord is speaking to us. The Holy Spirit will confirm it. He speaks to us individually and he speaks to us corporately. In John chapter one, verse 15, it says this. John bore witness about him and cried out. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Okay. John and Jesus were cousins. Maybe some of us didn't know that, but now you know. There's, the, there's a little bit of a history lesson. John and Jesus were, were cousins. That, I know how I played with my cousins. We played football together in the mud. We, I mean, we did everything. We, we climbed on school buildings up top. and um, yeah. <laughs> You wondered what it looked like from up there, so climb. And so we did until they, they built barbed wire around what we climbed up. And... Um, and so we did, we always played together. We knew each other. We knew our secrets. We knew everything. 
And John was the older cousin. John was the older cousin of Jesus, which, you know, that probably meant a little ribbing and, and so forth to Jesus. Maybe, maybe not. But then they also probably studied with, with the rabbis and learned the, the scriptures. I wonder when John realized, as the older cousin, playing around with Jesus, whatever they played as little Jewish boys, at what point did John all of a sudden be like, whoa, son of God? Was it when they were studying in the scriptures with the rabbis? Was it when they were young and, and they were born and growing up together and they're like, no, 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 no. Jesus isn't just your cousin like, you know, Jonathan is, but he's the son of God. We don't, I, I don't know that answer, but I do know this, that the spirit of God let John know that Jesus wasn't just his cousin, he was the savior. I mean, John went from the, from the, from the forest baptizing people, and then he says that, no, 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 he's before me. Even though I am before him, he is, he is before me. John knew, and I think that's an amazing sign, an amazing act of honor. John honored his younger cousin as the son of God. I think it's a mighty powerful, powerful verse that we deal, deal with right there. He comes after me in ranks before me because he was before me. He was in the beginning, for the word of God was with God. Amen? So I think we need to understand that when God's word is spoken, do we take it serious? Do we take it serious? You know, I used to have, uh, in law enforcement, you know, you could be posted up on a house in the dead of winter, like it is right now where it's like 18 degrees outside and 10 degrees outside and you're on the corner of the house with a, you know, wish had a, a warm cup of coffee, but it's a, it's a cold gun. And uh, the next guy's with you and you become very friendly because you're like, all of a sudden space doesn't matter. You're like heat, closer, closer, let's cuddle. And, uh, and it's, really, it's really cold. And, and then there was times where, where sergeants and so forth would be like, no, you can't use the, the head because what we're doing is more important. So you just wait, and 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 you wait, and wait, and wait, and wait. But sometimes we don't treat the word like that. The word of God's getting preached, and, and it's like, oh, I gotta go to the restroom. Go to the restroom after. Uh, I don't mean to be rude, don't mean to be, don't wanna come across too harsh, but like, what if this was the last message and I apologize if it was the last message you ever heard. But what if, like, no, I gotta use the restroom, Pastor PJ, I just gotta go, I can't hold it. It's 15 more minutes. You can do anything for 15 minutes, because while you're out, the word just got delivered that you needed. And it's happened. People have left early, walking down the hallway, and a healing message came out, and they're like, uh-oh, that's me. We have a testimony. They're like, oh, that's me. They turned back around and came back in. At least they came back in. Amen? And so we want to understand that as the word is being preached, we need to understand that we take it serious with reverence and holiness because that's what we do here. We treat the word with holiness and reverence. But sometimes what, we, what happens 
because of proximity, we get comfortable with, with one another. You know, we, we get comfortable with, with um, the gifts of God that he's given us. You know, um, I sometimes get blessed enough to go golfing with Pastor Mark. And, and while we're out on the, on the golf course um, or with, you know, Pastor Mickey and I've gone golfing together and his name's Pastor Mickey. I'm gonna honor the office in which he sits in. I'm gonna honor the office in which Pastor Mark sits in. He's not Mark, I don't know a Mark. I know Pastor Mark and he's my pastor. There's a line there that I won't cross with him even though I see him almost every day. I don't wanna get so comfortable with Pastor Mark that when he speaks the word of God, I'm like, mm, that's just Pastor Mark. He's the pastor of the church. Oh, but Brother Jay Hoskins is coming. Well, listen to him, glory to God. He's gonna give prophecies and heal people. And he does, because he's used by God, because he has a ministry office as well. But why is it that we, the church, sit back and like, oh, Pastor PJ's giving the tithe today. That was a bomb tithe message. I'm guilty of it. I did it about six years ago. I was sitting, sitting over here, and, and Pastor Mark gave a word. He gave a word, and I sat there and went, thank God that ain't me. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Thank, <laughs> Jim, my wife's like, yep. I literally said, I'm like, thank God that ain't, ain't me. Two days later, it was us. I'm like, there's no way that's our kid. And then all of a sudden, it was like, you understand why animals eat their young. And, uh, and so... <laughs> I'm joking. I mean, they do, but you know, I, well, I didn't really go there. Sounds like most of you have, though, and understand that humor. But uh, I took it as comfortable. Instead of realizing that the, the, that the office that passed, and I'm not boasting up Pastor Mark. I'm boasting up the office in which God has called Pastor Mark to, to this church for such a time as this, for the calling that he's called this church to fulfill. Pastor Mark is not just a guy. It could have been any guy that the Lord asked to fulfill this spot in this church, but it's Pastor Mark. And I want to urge each of us, because I've been blessed by him, I, I have been blessed to be under Pastor Mark. To be around him, to learn from him is unreal. Now, I'm not putting him in, in a position of being perfect. I'm not doing that. But I'm holding the position of the office that he holds with honor and reverence. You guys understand what I'm saying? Yes. And so, um, last Sunday, we were at church, and we were down here during worship, and worshiping the Lord, you know, just worshiping like we did today. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit's like, whack, and he blesses me. I mean, he blessed my socks off. He, show, he started showing me some things. I'm like, whoa, that's rad. Oh my gosh, you're right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for this church. And when I say thank you for this church, I mean thank you that I'm here in this church. It's changed my life. And all of a sudden he's like, and, and be thankful of your pastor. And I was like, thank you, Father, for Pastor Mark. Thank you, Father, for Pastor Mark. Continue to bless him and pour out your blessings over him. Continue to give him revelation and wisdom in all things. Father, thank you for Pastor Mark. Well, then during second service, it didn't stop. 
And I, I saw that our church was, was also being blessed. And so this goes on and we go third service. This was first and second service, Pastor Mickey. And then third service afterwards, Pastor Mark goes, hey, can we talk? And I said, yeah. And he says, hey, um, do you have a word for the church? And I just went, how do you know that? And then he gave that little grin, that little smile he has, Pastor PJ, you know what I'm talking about? And, uh, and I was like, how do you know that? And he says, I need you to bring it, what is it? And I told him, I told him a portion of it. And so why do I know this is important? Because pastor knew that the Lord gave me a word for the church. I am reverently terrified of this Sunday. I wanna make sure every single one of us get this and understand this and comprehend it to its fullest. And so I wrote it down. So during second service, I saw our church being blessed by the Lord and he showed me fires popping up in this country and into the nations. I asked what these were from. These fires that were popping up were from this body right here. Pastors were being sent out into churches that were being pioneered. Pastors were coming here and were getting what they needed from Pastor Mark and the church so that they were able to go back into their churches and finish their race stronger than ever before. This isn't a message of one that is better than the other. If that's what you're hearing from this, you're missing it. Bottom line is this. There is a fire here and a refreshing here that pastors will be able to come and go, be filled and be refreshed to go back into their churches for a revival, for lives to be changed. The pace is picking up here and we need to be ready to do what is being asked of us. Our pastor will lead us in this. We have been asking to be part of a move. Are we ready? I'm saying yes. I know there is more of us here saying yes with me. We've been blessed with a pastor that has been given God's own heart for us, who is feeding us with knowledge and understanding. We will be ready when he states we are starting a church in such and such or going to place. We need to make sure that pastor knows that we as a body of a church, that when he asked, are we ready, we will be ready to pitch in any way asked and needed as the Lord wills. We will continue in prayer more than ever. Trust me, there are enough spots on the team. Some spots won't mean that you are going. Some spots will mean that you're praying. Some spots will mean that you're praying and helping in financial, in financial ways. Some spots mean that you're training people here to be equipped to go out. Some spots are in the going and the coming back to this body. And some are the going and staying and pioneering the church that God has called us to build. We should be praying for our pastor for revelation and wisdom for all things. We should be praying in more saints to be trained up here for the church to be multiplied. We are in a great time. We're not in a dark or gloomy time or whoa, what are we in? Oh no, things are happening. We are in a great and glorious time that history could be marked down by Christian expansion and the glory of God moving across all of creation. It's such a time as this. We should be ecstatic to live in such a time as this. Jesus will outshine the darkness if we are willing to go where he tells us to go. Here's what I want to challenge us with. 
Can we love like a little Israel girl? No matter our age, no matter our sex, I wanna challenge each and every single one of us, can we start loving like a little Israel girl? In John 13, and we'll close with this, it says this, just so you know that I'm not making up anything. In John chapter 13, verse 35, uh, verse 34, I'm sorry, starting in 34, it says, and this is Jesus speaking, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my my disciples if you have loved one another. I give you that you should love one another just as the little Israel girl loved Naaman. You are also to love one another. By this, all people, all people will know us and that they will know we are disciples if you have love for one another. You know, I was in Africa one time. I've shared this story, I think. We were way back about probably 50, 65 yards off of the street, or dirt road off the market. And this old man, I mean old man, came walking in and then, and then uh, one of the translators came up to me, Livingston, he says, hey, there's an old man that wants to meet you out here. And I'm like, about what, what's he need? And he says, he was walking by, Jules, you'll never understand this, man, until it happens to you, it's unreal. He said he was walking by and as he got past the alley where the home was 50, 65 yards off, he said he felt love that he'd never felt before and he wants to know why. So I went out and introduced myself to him and I gotta pray for him and pray with him and hug him. And there's this old dude, I mean old, and he's crying. He was a Muslim. He was a Muslim. He had never sensed love. He was 65, 50 yards off the, off the house where we were at, where, the, where the, we were communing together, breaking bread together and loving one another. They will know you by the love you have for one another. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word.